Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Littlejohn and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, all right, gang. It is that time of the week again. You know what it is. It is your favorite Tuesday you've had all week, and it is time for the True Wealth Radio Show. In studio with me today is Katie Shook. And just me and Katie. So we got this. When is it just? It, it's it's usually well because like just... so often we've had guests lately. Is this? It feels like we've had guests on the show for like a month straight. And or Derek something. likes to third wheel it a lot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we no, I think you. that's we, pretty accurate. We love you, Derek. <laughs> yep. So uh, anyway, super excited to be here. I love Tuesday afternoon. This is literally like my safe space, the fun place. I love coming here, and I'm excited to talk to you. We've got the most action packed. Uh, Amount of boring material we can cram in because it's, I mean, like, you know why I say that? Action packed boring material. Yeah, because everybody awesome. thinks it's boring and it's not, right? You, I you, think everybody thinks it's harder than it is. Yeah, that's the other, right? Uh, I don't know that they think it's, well, A, they might be bored with it, but it's not necessarily boring, but I think everybody thinks it's harder than it is. Okay, well, that that may be the case. So we, we won't call it boring. We'll, we'll say it's important. We'll it's make important. it fun if it is boring. How about it that? It is super important. It's the fundamental building blocks. And we're going to go back to, we talked about this before. You know what the number one rule of financial success is? Like the number one most important thing that you need to do? Spend less than you make? Yes, indeed. Okay. Big need, like, hey, I win. Yay. So nailed it. Exactly. Spend less than you make. And um, there are two primary personality types in the universe as we understand it, right? Those that are right and those that are wrong. No, I'm kidding. So Savers and spenders. That's it. Natural savers and natural spenders. It's a spectrum. Not everybody's the same. Some people are good at saving in parts of their life and not others. David, are you a natural saver? Uh, without question. David, what would you say I am? Not a natural saver. Not a natural saver. <laughs> I am a spender. Now, I understand the rules, but that just means I am aware of my limitations, and that is where I rely on my husband to help me save because- and, I, you need to be a saver, too. And so we're going to talk today. So first, we're going to revisit something. We're going to talk about the baby steps of financial planning for a minute, right? Okay. Now, this is something that for those of you that have been listening for a long time, you'll know this. There was a time, historically, when we used to be affiliated with the Dave Ramsey Smart Vester program. Right. Okay. Now, we still believe in him. Right. Well, and, and what we talk about is Dave Ramsey. I, I like Dave Ramsey, just so we're clear. And I think the, the beauty of what Dave Ramsey does is for, for folks that have financially injured themselves, he provides like a emergency room it's methodology. Triage. Yeah. Like right? he, he teaches you how to cut off the like how to stop the yeah. bleeding and move forward yeah, and this heal is yourself. Like, like field medic first aid. Like we need to live. So <laughs> we will do this. Right. So it is all about get stabilized first and then really ratchet down with no mercy, the bad habits. Right. And so the, his methodology essentially creates what amounts to a no fail system. The failures are not in the system. The failures would be in circumstance that becomes just extraordinarily unfortunate. Like, oh, lost every job, developed medical conditions that we couldn't uh, go back to work. Everybody around us disappeared, and you know we were essentially stranded, orphaned, and marooned on an, an island with zero capacity to care for ourselves, and then medically started spiraling out of control. Uh, okay, I mean, like, if that happens to you, like, ouch, right? right. Like, like, definitely not impossible that that could happen, but not 
really probable. Most people still have a pathway to financial success. Now, financial success doesn't mean you're the next Bill Gates. Well, no, and here's the thing too that I that you've said before, and I think it's really important, right? Is uh, Dave Ramsey offers a path. It's not the only path, and right. it's always interesting. Do you ever have people quote Dave Ramsey to you? Yes, I do. That, or, or quote Dave Ramsey wrong to me too. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's not what it says. Um, and so you know, like before I knew about Dave Ramsey, I knew about Susie Orman or Suze Orman, right? Who's another person that talks about getting out of debt. Two different philosophies, but both still very accurate, and both of them still work. Right, and both of them largely media personalities. Right. 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 That's the interesting thing about this. And I know you're listening going like, <laughs> what are you? A and A large media personality. Yeah, media personality. I don't think as large yet, right, as some of these <laughs> folks. But uh, the difference is fully functioning active financial practice. That does change the rules of engagement for us. We speak a little different on this radio show. True. So we talk about concepts and generalities, but we do specifically tell you that we do not offer fiduciary financial advice on air. Right. Right. So that is, this is not personalized. I had somebody ask the other day, if you were a fiduciary. Uh, yes. The F word. In, in the good way. <laughs> there may be other F words associated with it sometimes, but no, it's. Yeah. But yes, what, so, so for somebody who's a new listener. Could you define what a fiduciary is? Right. So a fiduciary is somebody that is to put the client's uh, best interest first, okay, legally. So there's a legal obligation to put the client's best interest first. Now, that may sound intuitively obvious, like, well, duh, isn't that what everybody's job is? And the answer is actually no, not necessarily. Uh, and I'll give you an example, and this is not to pick on an industry, it's because it's an easy example. Okay. okay. So let's say that you go to a car dealership and you want to purchase a vehicle. Right. And you, the one that you want, you cannot afford. Okay. okay. So the salesperson <laughs> then starts to sort of shift the conversation to, well, what is your budget? Okay. And then the budget is about, well, it's here. And so, well, then the, let me show you some things that would work. And then uh, before you know it, they're saying, well, what if instead of you know doing 36-month financing or 48 or even 60, maybe we go to 72, how about 84-month financing? Before you know it, you're doing a mortgage on a vehicle, right? Like, we're not going to finance your vehicle for 30 years. It doesn't have a lifespan that long. Yeah, okay. but it's amazing what they're starting to span it out well, over. It's, and, and it's amazing how, oh, you're upside down in your current vehicle. Well, let's just roll that into a new loan, right? Now, is that in your best interest to do? Not necessarily. No, uh, probably not ever. Like carrying negative equity in a vehicle is a bad idea. Right. Right. Now, you could get gap insurance if you're financing, and that will make it a less bad idea because at least if you total the vehicle, you aren't left holding a bill. Right. But owning a depreciating asset and sinking lots of resources into it is a bad financial idea. Right. Right. You know, hey, I bought something and later I'll sell it for less and it's not going to be worth as much. Okay, so that's the opposite of buy low, sell high. And I've paid full price and interest if I financed it. Right. <laughs> so now vehicles are not wholesale evil, of course, right? You know, we talk about on the show. Well, no, a vehicle if you have a vehicle, helps you to do others, especially when you get to we, work, earn a know, paycheck. We live in an area where public transit is not very robust. Right. So it really 
helps to have a vehicle. We live and in, in most area. urban areas, that's the truth, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you start no, getting in metropolitan areas. areas, you're fine, but you start getting out in the outlier cities, and that's probably the natural case at most times. Correct. So, you know, you, we're, we're speaking literally right now about the urban-rural divide, and the needs do not look the same. Right. So, back to our example, that car salesperson could encourage you to purchase something else. They may encourage you to purchase more than you can afford. They may encourage you to purchase something different, but their incentive is get you to purchase something because right. that's how they are compensated, right? There's a transaction associated. Now, if they get you a vehicle that services your needs, but it doesn't do it to the 100% most optimum outcome, they didn't necessarily do a disservice to you. They didn't just optimize in a fiduciary fashion. So they got you something suitable, right? Okay. They got the job done. And it's transactional in nature. Right. Well, now, fiduciary does not have to be uh, a ongoing. Ongo like, well, the definition of fiduciary is supposed to be ongoing, but it can be a transaction with ongoing service associated with it. But right. this is where the problem lies. Right. The problem lies in if you pay for something up front and then somebody's supposed to service you forever, in theory, to make sure it continuously suits your need. What is their incentive to continue to do that? Right. If they got their compensation up front and now it's like, well, keep watching this and they go, but I already got paid for it. So why am I doing this now? Right. So there are just some mechanical elements at play here and human nature at play where you're like, well, you know, maybe you won't pay as much attention as you should. So the fiduciary backdrop is supposed to avoid that by saying you keep the client's interest, the best interest in mind at all times. So it also typically changes the interaction that you have. You know, it's right. less transactional in nature. There's less upfront compensation. It's more about doing sort of an ongoing, uh, think of it like a, a retainer fee, maybe. Right. So, hey, I just want somebody around that's always in my corner. Right. And so we just kind of have paying a little like a subscription as you go. Right? right, so the service keeps happening. Your cable bill comes every month, right? Because that's what keeps it on. If you stop paying it, then you stop having cable. Right, right. <laughs> so that's, that's sort of how that works. Well, and cable bill is a good example, right? Sometimes you add the extra movie channels if you're home all summer. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's more lean. Like your needs change too, or can change. Um, and I would say, you know, one of the things that I've come across uh, recently, um, and not me personally, because I'm not a financial advisor, so I don't give financial advice, but a lot of times when we talk theories, people think, oh, well, financial advice is very A or B, right? Like option A or option B, cut and dry. There's no gray area. Sometimes there's multiple options that you can pick in the advice and like they may all be equally weighted too. Like are, there might be some that are better than others. Right. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is just, uh-huh. It's like, well, right? if you do so, path A, then it's going to look like this. If you yeah. do path B and they're not neither of them are bad paths. And I think that's the hard part. People, when they come in seeking advice, they want it to be more defined. And sometimes it's not, it's a little more ambiguous. It's like, well, we could do multiple things. And that's also why it's important for you to meet with people regularly so that we make sure the path they're on is the right path. Well, certainly if you have an advisor, that's part of the, the, the idea is that, you know, you need to keep the relationship current so that it's relevant advice. Right. So, uh, but going back to today's yeah, show. So here's what we're going to do today. First of all, we've already talked about, you know, we're going to we're, we're going to revisit the baby steps as Dave Ramsey defined them. We're going to give us some context to why those baby steps happen the way they do. And then we're going to talk about the number one thing that uh, in order to help you keep 
number one, number one, right? If the number <laughs> one rule is spend less than you make, the question is how. We're going to talk about that. But first, we have to take obscene profit breaks. So stick around. We will be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Where it's live broadcasted, anything goes. Indeed, indeed, indeed. We have fun, though. uh, If you were just tuning in, let me tell you, you missed the first segment of this show. Well, duh. (laughs) Thank you, Captain Obvious. You've missed everything up to this point. (laughs) But But you can check out the podcast. Exactly. You don't have to stay in the dark. So you can go to littlejohnfs.com. It'll post manana. Although... If you've been running your air conditioner nonstop, like most of us have in Roseburg, because, you know, it's like 120 in Death Valley right now, feels like, um, there are rolling blackouts already starting to happen. So people are losing power. They may be in the dark. <laughs> yeah, Rough, by the that way. Is, that is no fun <laughs> right? right there. So, so right. is there rolling a run? I'm wondering blackouts. if there's a run on generators again. It's like, oh, boy, we're going to go back yeah. to the generators and power our house. We thought about... After snowpocalypse, right? Whether or not Snowmageddon, do... get it right. Snowmageddon. Okay. So <laughs> after the big, big snow of 2019, I believe it was February of 2019. Yeah. That we were, you know, I negotiated with should we get some form of whole house generator for a backup system? I thought you had one. No. We, we got, we have one. Well, you are more prepared than we are. I actually laughed because Thomas bought it a couple years before that happened. Mm-hmm. And then when it happened, he's like, oh, I have a generator in the garage. Yeah. That we... So then he had to figure out how to wire it up or, you know, into the house in the middle of the dark or whatever it was. But Ooh, we buddy. actually had one. Yeah. So I I realized that most of you are thinking to yourselves, yeah, it'd be great to run the air conditioner or whatever. That's not the reason I would do this. It's because I don't want everything in the refrigerator and freezer to spoil. Right? That's true. Because we yeah. have two refrigerators and an extra freezer and i'm going lots of popsicles and steak for dinner (laughs) i really don't want to have to just just like re trying to recollect all the condiments that you've procured over a year so let's talk about food and budget for a minute because i know we're going to talk about budgeting today right we're going back to the baby steps and budgeting is part of it so my goal every once in a while on my budget is to eat through my pantry Right now, if you have a pantry, a lot of times you buy stuff and then stuff kind of gets shoved to the back and then it never gets consumed because more stuff goes in the front. Does this sound like you in your house or who Not knows? Not terribly, but I'll go on. But, but so my point is like every once in a while, it's like, well, to save some money, you know, on a particular month or every three or four months, I'm like, I'm going to try to like dig out what's in my pantry and see what I can make out of meals and then buy supplemental pieces so that we can eat through it so food doesn't expire. Because if you're having food constantly expire in your pantry, that's a waste of money. Truth. Right? Okay. And I'm laughing as we're talking about refrigerators and stuff. So things that could blow up your budget or your emergency fund. If your refrigerators and your freezer go out and all of your food now has to be consumed within 24 to 48 hours, that will blow up your emergency fund because you may have to spend hundreds of dollars to restock it when it goes back on. And interestingly enough, side note, I will get us back on track. But in some cases, depending on what your homeowner's insurance deductible is, you could have a potentially covered expense on a homeowner's claim. 
Right, but I mean, if it's a couple thousand dollars, sometimes you're like, do a or for a deductible. Is, if it's less than a thousand, if it's less than your deductible, which is not uncommon, then you just sort of go, well, then I'm just gonna you're out buy the money. More, yeah, that's a bummer. So let's get back to home base here. First, let's talk about the baby steps because that's the framework. Because today is a funny show about how do you keep from. There's two things, right? We talked about this before. The, we actually prepared a little bit. One of them is, what do you do? So, how do you how do you not overspend? Okay, that's the first one. And then the other one is, what happens when your budget stops working, right? Because we're in a really unique time. So we're going to talk today about what do you do with a busted budget. There you go. And that was okay. something that I brought up to David because I brought up certain things that were my budgeting concerns. Right. So busted budget. So we're going to talk about the realities of busted budget today. And but, but first, the baby steps. Right. So okay. remember that we're, when we use the baby steps, we're going to use Dave Ramsey's baby steps. And then we're going to do a, a look at the financial planners take on baby steps because okay. they are different. Right. Baby steps are if you are like in debt already. And you need somebody to throw you a lifeline. This is right? your shovel to dig out of the hole. Yeah. Or I like to say, you're drowning. You need a life preserver, right? So we're going to throw it to you. And the condition is, do this stuff if you want to live. Oh, right? Okay, okay, so, Arnold. Jeez. So that is that is the Dave Ramsey philosophy, right? It, it's a, it's a, the, the system itself doesn't fail because by definition, you will spend less than you are making right. in this system. Right. Uh, if you follow it, right? It's kind of like a no-fail diet. It's typically not the diet that fails. It's the person that doesn't follow it, right. typically. So, but the finance is more straightforward than that, right? We can't, like, blame our hormones or anything else. It's literally, did you spend less than you earned? Right. So there we go. Okay, so baby steps. First, $1,000 emergency reserve. Right. Okay. Why? Because usually emergencies are a few hundred dollars, if not close to a thousand. Like, you know, you bust out your tires and need to replace your tires. It's hundreds of dollars to right. get new tires and, in your car. And the other is, gets you a win fast. Right. Nobody sticks with something when they can't see progress. Right. Right? It's like, this is pointless. I'm going to do something else. Okay? So you need to see some form of victory fast. And the first one is, save a thousand dollars. Right. Before you pay off your debts or anything else. So it's in what? cash, in a savings account, not invested, not sexy. Yeah. If you were sitting out there saying to yourself, well, you may as well just pay down the debt because if you have to, you could just use that debt to pay for the emergency again. You know, you still got the credit card. And I will go, no. huh, this is, uh, this is sort of the hair of the dog theory, right? Not, not smart, right? If you have a hangover, just start drinking again. Oh, like, yeah, that no, doesn't work. No. <laughs> No, no, no. Let's try not getting a hangover. Well, and if you have an emergency and say it causes you not to go to work for whatever reason, and then you put it on a credit card. Now, not only have you dealt with an emergency, but now you have to deal with the credit card again. Correct. So it's not it's like now you just created two yeah. emergencies. Yeah. So the whole pay it forward with debt thing is a bad idea. Right. So let's not think about it that way. Let's think of we need a thousand dollars because if something comes up, the thousand dollars can now pay for the something. Right. The broken whatever. Right now it's air conditioners and things out there. Right? Oh, my goodness. Yes. So heat pumps. Exactly. And, you know, that struggle was real. And so for all of our HBAC pros out there, if you're listening to this, thank you. I know you're working your tail off. It's probably like a gold mining season for you, but it is pretty miserable work when it's this hot. So. Did you pray for it? I just want to no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I have a little more work? Okay, God, not that much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is 
sort of like having snow plows pray for snow, right? Right, yeah. Um, Can you put me to work? Sure, let me dump a whole foot in two minutes. So, at any rate, the $1,000 is the first step. And then the next step, and, and again, if you're wondering if that's the most efficient, it's not mathematically the most efficient thing to do. It's not. But you need the win or you don't stick with it. So it is psychologically the most efficient thing to do. Right. And that's why the next part of the program is the debt snowball. Right. Right. And the debt snowball is order your debts. Smallest to largest. Smallest to largest. Right. Not from cheapest to most expensive or vice versa. Right. Right. Smallest to largest because you need wins. You need to see progress. Right. So the psychology says pay the first one off because... And, and make minimum payments on everything else. And when the first one's paid for, the money that was going into that goes not, towards the second yeah, one. Yeah, it's not found money that you can expand your lifestyle with. It is now that much more that can be applied to the next smallest debt. Right. And then when you pay that one off, you've got the first one and the second one freed up cash flow to attack the third. Right. So you take more and more aggressive chunks out of the payback. Now, I'll put a weird caveat on that, right? So that's assuming, A, you have some small debts, right? Because there's some assumptions built in there. What happens if you have three debts and they're all about the same? Let's let's say they're all about $5,000 a piece. If they're all the same, pick the one with the highest cost and attack that first. Right, so highest interest rate or highest whatever. Yes. And then, I, because I'm just saying, like I came across that teaching FPU, right? Was that there were times when somebody goes, well, I only have one debt, but it's a $10,000 medical debt. It's right. like, well, then just pay that one. Yeah, so you just chip away at it all of your discretionary income goes toward that and this is by the way really interesting for the next baby step number three which is emergency fund like real emergency fund right so not the a fully funded emergency right, fund. not the thousand dollars to just try to prevent me from falling down again we're talking about i lo lose my job and i don't have an income stream for two or three months i need to have some way to sustain myself, right. right? And so three to six months, right. depending now, on your income sources. There's a couple of reasons for three to six months, and we've talked about them before on the show, but we're gonna recap them really quick. So if you are um, a two-income household, right? Three months should do it because if you have that other income, then somebody yeah. else is kind of providing some life like support. 90-10, you know, where one person earns all the money, the other person- Right, but I mean, know. if both so are if contributing- you're largely contributing about the same- Then you're kind of like limping along on the other person's yeah. income while you're trying to regroup. Right. And, yeah. it, and it can take two or three months to, you know, build yeah. a resume and go on some interviews. And so. if you are employed by the same employer- Six Err on the side of more, right? Because if one person loses their job, both of you could lose your job. Right. Right. If the employer is unhealthy, that creates a different set of circumstances. Right. Uh, the other is it wasn't just because of losing a job. It was designed because what if you had a disability event? Right. Right. You know, part of the not really in the baby steps, but really as you're doing baby step three, it is get adequate insurance. Right. Because without adequate insurance, anything that goes wrong takes you off course. Right. Well, and you mentioned disability. Disability a lot of times, long-term disability, right? Like, so not short-term. Like probably I'm the most neglected form of insurance that I see in the financial arena. Right. But what, what the reason David brought that up is because there's a waiting period before it kicks on, and it's usually about six months. Right. So, so it's like if you have policy. enough money to kind of hold you over until the disability kicks in, that's right. kind of why six short -term months is important. Short-term disability usually up to six months. Long-term kicks in after. Right. Sometimes so, longer, depending on, depends on how the policy is structured. Right. 
But that's also why six months is important, right? Yeah. Because it's like if, if you do have an accident where you're not able to go back to work, you need to be able to write it out financially until the insurance kicks in. Right. So let's well, we'll follow through. We'll, we'll I'll circle back to insurance before getting to the, the main crux here. So get the emergency fund funded, right, to the three to six months as, as required. And this is also where you're about to figure out your discretionary budget. I know. It's pretty crazy. Right? Because if you're sitting there uh, keeping your budget on life support and pouring as much as possible towards your debts, that really is your life support number. So you now know what your three to six month emergency fund looks like. It's not the fully funded, still taking vacations and having an abundant lifestyle emergency Yeah, it's not that I'm going out to dinner still every night. It's I'm living off of beans and rice. Right. It's the beans and rice life support budget. I always say, you know, life support is like, this is the minimum stuff to keep you viable. Right, okay? for sure. So, you know, pay for your meds, pay for your food, pay for your base operating expenses, but it's time to cut the cable bill. It's time to cut the, the stuff that you don't have to have, right? There's a difference between need and want. Right, okay? yes. <laughs> so you pay for the things you need. Maybe some of the things you want have to take a back seat until you have a better capacity. True. So there's that. Step four. Right. Step four is invest 15% for retirement. Right. So just 15% rate of savings towards retirement. Uh, And Ramsey always says start with Roth IRAs. That is typically going to work for folks in that role, but it doesn't always, depending on where your income is growing to. So by the way, Dave Ramsey had to give up his financial licenses because it was considered being financial advice and it wasn't individual and there was a bunch of stuff too. So realize when he's throwing a blanket across a whole entire spectrum of people, that may or may not pertain to you, right? So when people say stuff like, you should have a Roth IRA, David just mentioned, there's limits on stuff. Right. So it's like, make sure that yeah. it, it you, it's- Maybe you should have a Roth IRA. Don't accidentally fall in the hole because you didn't know or weren't aware. Yes. After step four is, so you're doing 15% there, and then it is- Save for the kids' college. Save for college, pay off the house. And then build and wealth then and build give. build wealth and give. So, uh, and it, yes, I am flying past those, uh, as does Dave Ramsey, because if you listen to the show with any level of frequency, we mostly talk about those steps. Like we've, we really focus there a lot more. How do you build wealth? How do you develop good financial strategies? How do you grow as an entrepreneur? How do you increase your earning potential? Right. How do you- uh, understand tax code expenses, liabilities, and assets in order to manage your taxes better. Right. right. All of those things are things that we routinely discuss on this program in one form or fashion. That is not today's topic. Well, you also said we're going to talk about the baby steps and the busted budgets. Yes. So, so let's talk about the busted so budgets. So we, we need to talk about that because in order for you to get successful, you need to know where the money is coming from and going to. So that means budget, right? So we need to talk about types of budgets and what happens when they break. But we do have to take, speaking of budgets, an obscene budget filling break right now. So (laughs) stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. You're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Today's topic, remember, we have visited the baby steps. We have talked about the framework. 
We've talked about the number one rule, which if you want to know what it is, go listen to the podcast at littlejohnfs.com under the educate tab. See, that was that was Katie's intro. She nailed it. And he was looking to see if I'm paying attention as I'm writing. Oh, she's I can, she's 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 multitasking. I I multitask all the time. Although David insists you can't multitask, but simultask. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Yep. Studies show that nobody does it as well as they think they do. That may be true. Although I will say moms do it pretty dang well. Yeah, it's, I, I'll, well, you know, I'll, I'll just go with my research. That's that's what I know. Eh. So anyhow, the larger question and the number one thing is spend less than you, spend less than you make. There, it's that simple. Spend less than you make. How do you do it? Well, you start with a budget, and the budget is like, what are the things you have to pay, and then what becomes discretionary? So I have a fun game. Uh-oh. I looked, I, I, I used one of the greatest resources of our day, Google. <laughs> I was like, where are we going with this? Okay. And I simply looked up types of personal budgets ah. and came up with a list. And so I want to explore some of the budget types with our listeners today because these are kind of novel. Okay. So the first one is the traditional budget. Okay. Katie, you're the most familiar with this one. So is this like the Dave Ramsey budget? Yeah, pretty much. This is sort of what you do. Okay. Right? So the traditional budget basically says you got to list all of your expenses, figure out your income, right? And then um, I usually kind of work backwards from there a little bit in categories, right? So it's like you have to have food, clothing, and shelter, and you know stuff like gasoline in your tank. So you have to budget for gas to get to work if that's something you need for your car. Um, housing is something that's really important, right? Shelter, we talked about that. But then there's things that become a little bit more discretionary, right? So cable may or may not fit in your budget, right? You may need to look at your cell phone plan because what you're paying for your cell phone may or may not fit in your budget, depending on how tight your budget is. And then other stuff that's like your fun money. Right. So here's why. This and I'm is summarizing really, high points on the. Yeah, it, it, this, the reason this is fun and I'm, I'm in the studio smiling as Katie's do. She's like, why are you smiling? Right. Like there's some kind of sneaky thing going on and there's not. But the first one on the list is your sweet spot, Katie. Which it's is? A, it's for somebody who's a, a detail-oriented person that looks at all the categories, and you just, you just described exactly what it is. You set your categories, you rank things, you choose how much you're going to apply to that, and then you know when you're spending. Or am I overspending categorically or not? Where is my budget, and where does it live on all that? So I will tell you things that bust. Like when I, when I first started this uh, down this Dave Ramsey path, I had a child in daycare. And I will tell you, I busted that percentage category almost every month right. because it's the amount of I was spending in daycare, which was a necessity to have to go to work. My child needed to go somewhere. But, you know, when you start looking at budgets and they're like, oh, you can allot 10 percent of your income for budget. And I'm like, yeah, it looks more like 30 percent at the moment. So sometimes there are specific things that you need to have, but don't necessarily fit like a normal plan when it comes to budgeting. Right. And so this. Uh, First of all, budgets are, it's really popular to try to look up categories and say it ought to be this. And you can get a sense of what the average category is, but that doesn't particularly matter as long as at the end of the day, you account for all the categories you're going to spend. Right. And you don't spend more than you earn. Right. Right. The one, number one mistake that I saw with people in the class when they were taking it was not allowing enough for food. Like, especially as a single person, I would have people go, oh, I'm going to allow $200 for food. And I'm like, what are you eating then? Are you having top ramen for three meals all week long? Because trying to, like, 
allowing enough for food is something that was really tricky. And we're not talking dining out and like expensive meals. I mean, we're talking basic grocery budgets. But um, that seemed to be the number one category that people screwed up on pretty frequently in the beginning. Yep. So I want to cover some different types of budgets because I think this is where the novelty lies. The reason the traditional budget was so fun to start with is because, again, this is the one that we probably most frequently talk about on this show. Right. Right. Uh, and it's the one that most people associate. Like, great. And, and even Dave Ramsey says, look, use our envelope system. Okay. That is where I set a budget categorically and then I put the cash in each envelope. Right. And when I'm done spending, it's because the envelope's empty. Right. Right. I can't buy more. There's no more money in the envelope. Right. So that is a very get real technique to not overspend. Right. But not everybody needs to work that way because remember there's natural spenders and there's natural savers and then there are also people that are naturally detail oriented and then there are some people that are way less detail oriented <laughs> yes katie is laughing because we know in my office that i am the guy that loves to think about 10 years down the road it's going to be this thing and they go what's going to happen in 10 minutes and i go oh that's detail work yeah right? it's true <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, in 10 minutes, I'm like, I am sure you've got that covered, right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's that sort of element where I am planning. And, you know, when I work with people, we are talking about the future and making dreams come true. And so the detail work is that comes after you've had the vision fun. Right. right? And I would say that's very true. And, and that may be a side effect of your actual job is that you're so used to talking about so far in the future that... It may be harder to focus right. on the day to day. Your kid was just born. You know, you're going to have college in 18, 19 years. Yeah. They're like, like uh, what? he hasn't yeah. started walking yet. Can we focus on that? Yeah, so. exactly. So there's a couple of different categories, different budget types that I want to talk about. And, the, and there's two of them that are really similar uh, the 50, 30, 20 budget and okay. the 80, 20 budget. So the 50, 30, 20, and I, and I wanted to make sure I was right, but I asked David about it ahead of time. So 30% of it towards your home or shelter, right? Apartment, mortgage. No? No, no. It's actually simpler than that. So really? Yeah, because you're kind of sneaking into categories. Ah. Right? This is, now, to be fair, I didn't prep Katie for this. He I'm didn't. Totally, he just said, oh, I have these different numbered right, budgets. And right. I was like, oh, I'm, I think so, these are what they are. Yeah. So I'm, I'm surprising with it. It's, it's literally this simple. So the 50% of your take home goes toward needs. 30% toward wants and 20% 20% savings. savings. Yep. Okay. Right. So 50, 30, 20, you kind of go, well, categorically, here's where these things are at. Got it. So that's a really simple way to think about it. And then you can, you want to sub the categories down. You can, but that's largely like, well, you know, this is sort of the big picture. I need gas in my tank. I need a car to get to work and I need a roof over my head. Right. The and 80, utilities on would be nice. Yeah, yeah. 80, 20 is even easier. You just say, well, 20% is savings and then the rest of the 80% I can spend. Right? Okay. And, and you can shift that around depending on your income. You can call it 70, 30 or whatever. Right. This is really close, by the way, to what the debt snowball requires you to do. Right. Right. So, well, I'm going to take whatever my minimum life support is. And it turns out we can live on 45% of our income. Good. The other 55 is going towards debt service. Right. Right. So you're going to, you're going to like lock it down and then attack the debt. So that's what those two categories are. Uh, and so those are kind of, and then the other one is that you can create specific savings accounts, right? So like if you put buckets in, like I have a vacation fund and I have a maintenance fund and I have a, you know, another fund, these are- I have a new car fund. Right, so that's, and those are, that's another good way to do it. It's sort of like a traditional budget, but you've got these sinking funds for other things. So you're not thinking, like your car repair, actually you develop a budget where my goal is to get X amount of money in a car replacement or a car repair 
fund. Right. And then you don't have to spend there anymore. You can fill up another bucket. Right. right? So you categorize and you make your way through the list that way. Uh, and some people I know actually have separate checking accounts or savings accounts for those specific buckets because it helps them kind of sort them out a little bit. Yep. I want to, but as you're going down these lists, I, there's one thing I want to bring up and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're running out of time. Busted budgets. How do things bust your budget? Because I've been on a budget for many years now, right? And even though my income has increased, there's certain things lately that have increased that kind of throw my budget numbers out of whack. As he's nodding, I'm waiting to see if you're going to chime in. Okay. No, I'm, I'm just, I mean, everybody at some point has experienced a budget failure. Well, and it's not necessarily a failure, but like, what do you do when the cost of food is all more well, expensive that, right that, now? That, so, all right, then then let's let's not say how many da angels can dance on the on the head of a pin <laughs> here, because what we're doing is we're nuancing the definition of failure. Failure, I suppose, is a poor word because it implies that you did something wrong, wrong and that's right. why it broke. So, a busted budget doesn't necessarily mean that you did something wrong. It means that the categories have moved. They've shifted, yeah. Right? And so, it's one thing to overspend. A busted budget because you just can't stay disciplined, yeah, own that. But what do you do when we go through a period where gas prices in the last year have are doubled. up by 40%? Right. You know, we went from like paying under $2 a gallon to almost $4 a gallon. Or even milk when it went from under $2 a gallon to almost $4 a gallon. Like yeah, when so, basic needs g double, yeah, how does things, that affect your budget? Things went up a lot. Now, I'm not going to go into today's show about how that's going to No, we're not talking about how it that, impacts. Because that may, that may come back in line if we stop paying to break the supply chain. Right? right, which we've kind of done. That you know, we've incentivized some bad behavior in the job market, and that disrupts the supply chain. But to your point, Katie, what do you do? Right, and so th the answer is uh, in in the supply and demand curve, something called substitution is right. one of them. So you have to look at the budget and figure out, well, what are the things in the want and need category, and can I? Where is the buffer? Right, is there a buffer? Right, and that's the scarier part. Sometimes yeah. there isn't a buffer. Yeah. So and and and. I always, I, you know, the, the challenge first is if there's not buffer, some of it is. Is there a way to change your circumstances well, to give you more? Yeah, that's it. Because there's people that get structurally trapped. Like if you buy too much home. Right. Five years ago and you're barely making the mortgage payment and then you get a raise and you get a little breathing room. And so you start buying more stuff. And then you get a raise and you start buying more stuff. And then you lose your job. And now you're saying like, oh, my gosh, my house is too expensive. Am I this? Am I that? Say, like, well, do keep in mind you designed a lifestyle with no margin. Right. Right. Because you spent the margin every time you created it. If you don't create any kind of reserves, right. then this was sort of a self-induced financial wound. Right? right. So that is a big challenge that I have for folks. And this is why the traditional budget with categories is a pretty good guideline. You know, the 30 to 35% on housing costs is a pretty good ballpark. Right. Because when you're spending 60% of your income on housing and you're like, well, I just can't afford anything else. I, I get it, but you also can't afford anything else. Yeah. Right? Well, and you also need to look like, can you do the same job somewhere else where it's more affordable? Can you, you know, there's a lot of things that can shift too. Right. But and, budgets and so, have been busted lately. I mean, yeah. income's been upside down on different people and, and we're I'm, running long. Do we, do, do we have to take a last Yeah, break? we have to take another break. Oh, rats. All right, so we'll take our last break and we're going to come back and we're talk about strategies to well, recognize a busted budget, strategies to fix it. But we got to take our last obscene profit break. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. We got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN.
Hey, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Show today. Uh, we're talking busted budgets. Katie, this is, uh, you. I mean, you were our FPU facilitator, right? Financial Peace University, and right. you taught... I mean, you've taught more people budgeting than, uh, well, and way more than I have. Right. And well, and I've talked about it a lot on air, too, like especially when David disappears. I know it's my safe space, but I talk a lot about budgets Um, and I do. Even friends ask me about budgeting, knowing that I've taught FPU. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about categories. But I mentioned today, you know, I I stick to a budget. I have a budget. I like to categorize it. And the one and I am the nerd. Can I just share something, too, just so everybody gets it? I don't think it's the budget because like if somebody's going to call me like, Dave, you got to pay this girl more. She's not going to say no, by the way. Say, <laughs> Nobody but, ever says no to a raise. Right? And if you do, ooh, right. come on. But but it's also the idea is Katie, I like Katie stretches a dollar really well. Oh, I, mean, like, yeah. I mean, she is a wizard at stretching a dollar. She's actually better. She's she's better at it than I am. So my right? favorite, my, my slogan for my life is I can't afford my life on full price. Right? Like I love to do things. I love vacations. I can't afford to do them on full price. So if I want those nice things, I got to figure out how to stretch a dollar. Yeah, and she is super clever. She's the one that, like, I think timeshare presenters apologize to her. They're like, <laughs> oh, no, we brought you in here. And she's like, oh, yeah, that just happened, right? So anyhow. I think they're like, so what gifts do we need to give you to go away? Like, yeah, can she's you? She's like, we're just going to, you know, I, I, I think there's a. I think the offer can get better. I ruin so. people's spiels because I make them like cut to the chase and they're like, wait, what? I had this whole like, yeah, you no, know, no, I was going to build I was it gonna, up for you. Yeah. So and I was like, yeah, no, me. just tell me what. Yeah. Tell me what you want from me. I, I, I want to go back to the pool. Um, yeah. Anyways. No, we were talking about busted budgets and it's a it's a real thing. You know, when you budget a certain amount for food or for gas and all of a sudden the cost gets more expensive, but you don't necessarily have more dollar to spend. Right. Then what do you do? And and I was bringing that up today to David as we were prepping for the show. My budget has been busted recently with the cost of groceries going up. I mean, yeah. we've yeah, we, you're not alone, and I, I'm not alone. We've yeah. all felt a little bit of an inflationary event happening. With oh, the, everybody's noticed. I mean, I have I have noticed it in many categories. Supply and demand, right? Yeah. The supply is well, less. The, the demand too. chain's been broken. Things are just more expensive. So, what do you do when you have the same amount of income but now have a higher expense in a category? You retool, which is right. what we were talking about. And I'm and by the way, I'm not saying it blew up my budget. I'm just saying no, it's, but it's it, shifting things around, right? Right. Because so, because there's really only two things that you can do in a budget, right? In, at the basic level, you can either increase revenue or decrease expenses. Right. And in order to decrease expenses, there are some things that are need to haves. So you can do some substitution. Right. This is the idea of, well, if we can't have steak, we'll have chicken or we'll have hamburger or we'll have beans. Right. right? Like you make your way down the the chain to (laughs) where vegetarianism seems a little bit more affordable these days. (laughs) Yes and no. Right. I mean, like eating healthy is expensive. It can be a real tough thing. Actually, it is because carbohydrates are super cheap. Yeah. I mean, you go for top ramen at 10 cents a pack. Um, They're not good for you. You pay for them later, but they're expeditious in the immediacy right? right like like when you need it right now right it's like well it'll do right uh, and so that's a another issue in and of itself so th- i i think you go back to the the number one piece of advice that i offer to people is you want margin in your budget the reason the baby steps are so important is when you're saving 15 percent for retirement right first you're controlling your taxes a little bit typically you are putting away your emergency fund is funded you've created margin right and so that is the key busted budgets 
are most often so uh, again so the difference between a busted budget and a failed budget right busted budget is when unanticipated expenses show up and you've got to you know adjust a failed budget is one where you you don't have enough margin and now you're upside down and you are back into the spending more than you have or you're not following your budget yeah which is the same as right. a failed budget right 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 so build margin Right, and 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 a, and a healthy financial plan has margin in the strategy too. It means that you need to know what things you anticipate costing, and then build a little cushion in there. Your budget should have a little cushion. All those things, and this is for natural savers. It's easy. Cushion feels good, right? That's a security <laughs> blanket. If you're a spender and you're like ah, cushion smushing, like like yeah, you you need to find a way to hide that from yourself. One of the ways I suggest put it in a different account or a different bank where it's like you different have to, banks actually work great when yeah. it's not easily accessible to transfer it into your account and you have to do more steps it yep. causes Online you to think savings twice savings accounts are great for that because you got to log in somewhere else and you know you're doing it right this is i always said it seemed weird like no offense to people would say it's hard to, sm to stop smoking but i'm like well you did have to go to a store and buy cigarettes buy the, you know go to the counter ask them to get it out of the special box and then pay for it like there were a lot of steps in that addiction and so that's the challenge right so where's your discipline level how do you build in the margin but look that's as much preach as we can get the music's playing so we gotta rock uh katie where do they get the podcast at littlejohnfs.com where do they get advisors yeah at also at littlejohnfs.com no 541-375-0898 all right we're out of time so thanks for joining us this week until next time this has been david littlejohn and katie shuck and you've been listening to true wealth on news radio 1240 kqen the preceding program was paid for by little john financial services the opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.